Miss Yarra the Bird. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little more about us, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, we're going to conclude our examination of the Satanic Bible, but first, let's welcome some rad Satanists that have joined us on Patreon recently. We've got Alyssa, Sam, Bailey, Kylo, Jenny, Andrea, or Andrea, Stephen, Amy, Skelly, Kevin, Jonathan, and DJ. Thank you guys very, very much. You know your support means the world to me. And I hope all of you jump on and start mixing it up with us on Facebook and Discord and everything else. Thank you very much. If you have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links there to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers there to choose from with various benefits, including the Greetings from Hell, Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. Visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. Once again, let's welcome back my Satanic partner in life and love, Jerry. I'm just your partner. How are you? I like that you started with, all right, Jerry's here now. That's right. Let's go. Yeah. But I'm not a satanic partner. You're not? No. I'm a partner with you. I love you. Thanks, Jerry. But your religion means hey, very man. little hey, to me. Hey, <laughs> I love you too. Hey, I love you. We just really fist bump right there. We really did. Had a little fist bump between us. Uh, we're grown men. We can do whatever we want to each other. I'm into it. All right. Um, we left off last time with the book of Lucifer. So that brings us to Earth, the book of Belial. I know people pronounce this one every which way, but my research thus far has led me to Belial. Shall we get right into it? Is it okay if I interject? What, what would you like to say? Belial's cooler. <laughs> okay, Jerry. Mm. Um, you do what you have to do. Belial. As usual, Anton begins this section with a short introduction, and this one is called The Mastery of the Earth. He begins by, once again, shitting on the established occultists, who he considers frauds. He moves on to say, What good is a study of falsehoods unless everyone believes in falsehoods? Many, of course, do believe in falsehoods, but still act according to natural law. It is upon this premise that satanic magic is based. Um, what? He's saying the premise on which satanic magic is based is that many do believe in falsehoods, but act according to natural law. I feel like he may have been drunk while writing that section. Are you reading him loud and clear on this? I, I, I see it, and um, 
I, I just more of, I don't know, it's more the same. He's he, What he's saying, he's building himself up and breaking something else down. At the very end of it, he offers, Belial represents the earth element, and herein will be found magic with both feet on the ground. Real, hardcore, magical procedure, not mystical platitudes devoid of objective reason. Mm. So there you have it. We're about to enter into the core of Anton's whole magic business, which is a huge focus of both his supporters and his detractors. Sure. Should we move well, right into the first is chapter? It, is it okay if I ask you a question? Go ahead, yeah. Uh, is it, when you think of Earth, and he's using elements and right. magic uh, and, and natural predication, is this not more of a, a – like it almost has a Wiccan vibe to it, like borrowed from more, yes. more, from, borrowed from that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I'm no expert. I'm not super well-studied on Wicca, witchcraft, all of these various occult things that have been out there. Um, I'm no expert, so... My mom's a Wiccan. Yes, yes. Uh, we learned about her nude rituals and, she, and everything. No, my mom's never nude. She's always in leather. Okay. But um, she, it, it is very built and based on the elements, and mostly it's people around a fire talking. Right. That's sort of what it is. All right. Well, this chapter is called The Theory and Practice of Satanic Magic, Definition and Purpose. He begins exactly where he should with a definition of magic. I will read you the opening paragraph. Anton says, The definition of magic as used in this book is the change in situations or events in accordance with one's will, which would, using normally accepted methods, be unchangeable. This admittedly leaves a large area for personal interpretation. It will be said by some that these instructions and procedures are nothing more than applied psychology or scientific fact called by magical terminology, until they arrive at a passage in the text that is based on no known scientific finding. It is for this reason that no attempt has been made to limit the explanations set forth in a set nomenclature. Magic is never totally scientifically explainable, but science has always been, at one time or another, considered magic. So, there is a lot to unpack there. When I first read this, I sat down and wrote like 9,000 words in response to it, but I'm going to save you all from that. I'll try to make it concise. The most important part in there is this admittedly leaves a large area for personal interpretation. That is the truest statement in all this. He makes some objectively false claims about the limits of science, and if this chapter would be good for anything, it would be a clear definition of what magic is and isn't with some examples, but he doesn't exactly do that. He also includes some completely contradictory language that doesn't really make any sense. He says, science has always been, at one time or another, considered magic. So, was it at one time or another considered magic, or is it always considered magic? Uh, you look at a heresy to consider— a- He says both things, but both can't be true. But he's also freeing himself <laughs> from any type of, like, you can't hold him to anything he says here. Right. Because that, 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 first, le- that first thing was completely freeing him and saying, and now he's able to spew what all bullshit he can say. Yeah, he says, we're going to stick to science, 
except the parts that science doesn't understand. He absolutely does not <laughs> stick to science. There are right. 100 pages that do not have anything right. to do with science in this effort. So to simplify, what Anton means when he says magic is it's just something that he isn't perfectly able to explain in scientific terms. In the last episode, Jerry, you and I talked about the time he supposedly placed a curse on Sam Brody, the partner of Jane Mansfield. Mm -hmm. One day, Sam and Jane got in a car crash and died. After the fact, Anton or those close to him suggested that Anton had placed a curse and alluded to the fact that this was perhaps what caused those two to die. Now, down here in the real world, we would say that it's a coincidence that a guy Anton didn't like died in a car crash. Anton simply replaces the word coincidence with magic. Had Sam Brody not gotten into a car crash, would we have ever heard about Anton's failed curse that never worked? No. No, of course not. And he actually goes on to address the idea of coincidence later on, basically saying, of course, logical people will just call this coincidence. And yeah, that's what logical people would call it. And I am one of those logical people. The first two, well, first, however many pages of this, however many pages of this said that, yeah, it would be coincidence. And he said it so, as much. Yeah. Magic doesn't exist. It's science. It's rational thinking. So, <laughs> well, like, Except for the parts that science can't explain. Which is what he did to Sam. Yes. And Jane Mansfield, who was. Yeah, uh, it can't explain that. Was she the one that uh, Sophia. I have no fucking idea, Jerry. Oh, she was the one. I really have saying. no idea. <laughs> There's one where I think it's Jane Mansfield's at a table and Sophia. Um, Loren. Loren was staring at her chest. I don't know if that's Mansfield. Oh. It's a yeah, very I believe that, I believe photo. that is Jane Mansfield. Well, I think you're right. You know what? Then fuck. Fuck you, Anton, for killing that beautiful woman. Yes. That piece of shit. He then goes on to explain the two categories of his satanic magic. One is greater magic and one is lesser magic. Greater magic is ritual magic. He says it requires a formal ceremony performed in a specific place at a specific time. He calls it an emotional, not an intellectual act. The purpose is to convert energy into a transmittable force. And then there is lesser magic. This is what he calls manipulative magic. He says, lesser magic consists of the wile and guile obtained through various devices and contrived situations, which when utilized can create change in accordance with one's will. In olden times, this would be called fascination, glamour, or the evil eye. He goes on to describe a bunch of things that fall pretty neatly into the categories of psychology and normal human behavior. And that's about it for that chapter, really. So the only thing I ever highlighted in this book was that it this sort of uh, you know works in a sales a sales way. It's, I'm, <laughs> I'm a car salesman. Yes, you all sort of attach everything to that. Well, it, this is this is a playbook, uh, and, and what you're hearing what you're hearing is his methodology, and he's trying to employ it. But the one thing I did highlight, the three methods by which the command to look can be accomplished are the utilization of sex, sentiment, and wonder. And all of these things make sense in a product form. So he's really just explaining what's appealing to people, how to make them like it. You're selling yourself. He could be a good ad man. Oh, he would. Marketing Maybe is so. fantastic. This, this cha- these last chapters are perfect for him. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, not only does it, it – he, now he's building a mythology, and I don't want to – 
spoil anything. Don't spoil, Jerry. I'm going to. Oh. But like, let me do it now. But he's building his mythology now. If there is a reason for people to not like this book, everything else has sort of been rational and plagiarized. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. And, but then at the end of this... Well, he's not done plagiarizing. Well, no, I know. But at the me. end of this, it is completely bonkers. It is everything everyone thought. Right. Like, it, it is the, the last couple pages of this it book... It gets a little wild. ...are what the, right, what the Christian religion needed in order to vilify rational thinking yeah but you can keep going all right our next chapter is the three types of satanic ritual anton explains the ins and outs of each of the three ritual types first is the sex ritual he says the purpose in performing such a ritual is to create desire on the part of the person whom you desire or to summon a sex partner to fulfill your desires if you have no specific person or type of person in mind strong enough to cause direct sexual feeling culminating in orgasm, you will not succeed in performing a successful working. Love potion. Next is the compassion ritual. Anton writes, The compassion or sentiment ritual is performed for the purpose of helping others or helping oneself. Health, domestic happiness, business activities, Material success and scholastic prowess are but a few of the situations covered in a compassion ritual. And finally, there is the destruction ritual. Anton tells us, The third motivating force is that of destruction. This is a ceremony used for anger, annoyance, disdain, contempt, or just plain hate. It is known as a hex, curse, or destroying agent. On one hand, Jerry, it seems strange that everything is limited to three specific types of ritual, but I suppose they're broad enough that they cover just about everything. There's, all of it. There's positive stuff, negative stuff, and sex. For some reason, that gets its own category. He just kind of loses me a bit with this stuff. Oh, for sure. Functionally, we're on the same page. Anton and I agree that ritual can be beneficial to the person performing it. But he seemingly believes that there are, for a lack of a better word, supernatural forces at play and that coincidence isn't really a thing. He does have some fun bits at the end of this chapter. Let's take a look at those. He adds a bit of a note concerning each ritual type. He writes, concerning sex or lust, take full advantage of spells and charms that work. If you be a man... Plunge your erect member into her with lascivious delight. If you be a woman, open wide your loins in lewd anticipation. Jerry, dude, is it getting warm in here? No, let me tell you. Is this the one with the notes are to be observed? Is this it? Uh, yeah, I think we he gets to more of the specific but, stuff that you hey, need listen, later on. Step number five. <laughs> step number five. And I highlight this too. I love my favorite one. Conversing, except within the context of the ceremony, and smoking are prohibited. Like after the bell is rung at the beginning until after it's rung again. So I like the idea. It's like some dudes in the middle of smoking a cigarette. The bell rings. Please like, oh, distinguish hey, your cigarettes. It's, it's like an airplane taking off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially in the late 60s, it, early 70s. But it's so like it's in there like, hey, don't smoke during my shit. And don't right. talk either. Asshole. I love this guy. <laughs> to me, I love this guy. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, he goes on concerning compassion. Be resolved that you'll have no regrets at the expense of the help that you have given others should their newfound blessings 
place an obstacle in your path. Be grateful for things that come to you through the use of magic. And finally, concerning destruction, be certain you do not care if the intended victim lives or dies. Before you throw your curse and having caused their destruction, revel rather than feel remorse. Mm. Heed well these rules, or in each case, you will see a reversal of your desires, which will harm rather than help you. I'm sure that was all in caps. Uh, yeah, that was all in caps, oh, actually. No, no, no bullshit. <laughs> that that whole thing caps. was in all caps. Um, now, just to compare, the quick outsider Satanism stance on ritual is basically this. There are no rules for you to follow, and there are no supernatural forces at play. The human mind is wild and powerful enough on its own. We don't need to pretend to call for help from some mysterious force outside of ourselves. Your ritual can look and function any way you want it to, and it can serve any purpose you want it to. If your ritual practice benefits your life, you should do it. And that's that. As a curiosity. Sure. Do you have any do you lend any credence to energy being put out into the world? Now, now, not not convincing, not, not like all of a sudden, like, I want this person to get fucked up, and then somebody gets real riled up, and then fucks that dude up, right? I'm saying, like, do you have, do you lend any real belief that putting energy out into the world, like a karmic sense, is it, is there something there? Well, it's hard, it's hard it, to it's, say. It's complicated. I mean, I don't know the best way to put it in, you know, scientific terms, but I don't believe in actual karma in the the actual meaning of that. But I think generally, if you carry yourself in a certain way, if you're a positive person, let's say, you have a generally open-minded, optimistic outlook, and you carry that and you present that to the people you interact with, you're more likely to attract that type of thing. If you run around negative, you look like shit, you smell like shit, you're just, you you smoke crack all day, what kind of opportunities are going to come your way? It's not magic. It's not karma. I mean, that's, that's an ex- explainable, rational well, phenomenon. Well, look at us. I, I'm primarily a negative man. I'm not particularly interested in being positive. But luckily... I'm a very patient, understanding man. Oh, so. And so between the two of us, I'm able to accept you and, so and work it you're out. you're Billy and I'm Gizmo. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I try not to get you wet or uh, let you eat after midnight or whatever. I don't eat after midnight. Right. All right. On to our next chapter. This one is the ritual or intellectual decompression chamber. It begins with a magical ceremony may be performed by oneself or in a group, but the advantages of each should be made clear. A group ritual is certainly much more of a reinforcement of faith and an installation of power than is a private ceremony. The massing together of persons who are dedicated to a common philosophy is bound to ensure a renewal of confidence in the power of magic. When the pageantry of religion consistently becomes a solitary situation, It reaches into that realm of self-denial, which runs concurrent with antisocial behavior. Let me pause there to say I completely disagree with that last part. I agree that both solitary and group rituals have their advantages. But to say that a person whose preference or circumstance calls for solitary religious practice, 
I don't find that to be self-denial or antisocial behavior. Anton has a habit of presenting his feelings as facts, and as a reader, especially if you're very new to Satanism, you should keep that in mind at all times. Well, the mob is more powerful than the singular human. Sure. So if you're looking at his end, he needs as many people as possible to participate. And 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 maybe I'm painted and tell me if I'm wrong, this is sort of propaganda. Like, it, What do you mean? I believe that this man is putting his thesis, his statement out there and putting his, his mission statement out. Yes. Yeah. This whole thing, I mean, we can sit here, you know, I'll say that's right, that's wrong, whatever. I, I, I don't think I usually use those terms. I no. usually say I agree or disagree, which is, I think, more appropriate. Anton wrote this book. He was developing and presenting his vision of Satanism. Right. This can be argued a little bit, and believe me, people do argue it, but for all intents and purposes, there was no functional Satanism at all at the time that he wrote this book. He was the first. He decided, I'm going to take this idea, formulate a philosophy, and deliver the religion of Satanism. And so this was his vision, his and vision. We, we get to disagree or agree with any parts of it that we want to, um, but he was there to tell you this yeah, is it. This is his thing. But in previous uh, iterate, previous words and iterations that he's been, yeah, he's and ideas that he's been pushing forward, you can't deny, and he's not going to deny. I imagine if I even if I asked him if he was still alive, deny his selfish projection. Like he would, he wants this to be that. So when I when I read that it's you know sitting alone is an antisocial thing and all that stuff. Well, the group means something. The singular human being can be rational, talk to, or even convinced else otherwise. The mob cannot be. You have many people at once, and that is a strength. And if he can conjure that well, strength, it's then funny. it works for him. It's funny you, you mentioned that. He follows up in that paragraph with, it is for this reason that the Satanist should attempt to seek out others with whom to engage in these ceremonies. And... Look at that, Anton telling Satanists, essentially, to seek out community to benefit their Satanism. Now, you're not uh, all inside with this stuff, Jerry, but believe me, some Church of Satan followers are now frantically looking for ways to explain away that part as we speak, because they are very anti-community. The idea of a Satanic community, in those words, is ridiculous to them and not a thing. They're all about this individuality. And I've talked, you've heard on on these episodes, I've mentioned several times about the difference between a philosophy as it exists on paper versus how it plays out in the real world when people get a hold of it. And I have found through our, you know, reading through and examining this book again, I found a bunch of examples of what I feel are contradictions between the behavior of parts of the Church of Satan community out there on the internet and Anton's actual writings. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of them. He yeah. says right there, Satanists should attempt to seek out others with whom to engage in these ceremonies. And they'll say that just means a group ritual, and yeah. that's not a community, and then you leave and ignore everyone. Well, you know, no. kind of bullshit. Kind of bullshit. I mean, but any religious text is going to be full of these type of contradictions, you know what sure. I mean? Like God is a, ra- our God is a loving God. Our God is here to care for you. He gave his only begotten yeah, And son. it's all about but, but, the but then, human subjectivity. Right. But then my God, the God is a, a God is a vengeful God, a right. wrathful God. Right. So like these things play in who's ever writing it and, and, and brilliantly, and brilliantly, who's interpreting it. And brilliantly, he said it right off the bat. 
All religions yes. are built off, and he's also discounting himself. All religions are, all gods are created by man, and yeah. and that is the way to worship. And now we are going to the most spectral realm of his <laughs> belief system, and now we're poking holes in it. Right. Later on, he says, even in a totally personalized ritual, however, the standardized preliminary invocations and devices should be employed before the intimate fantasies and acting out occur. And again, I completely disagree with him here. I think the idea of standardized invocations and devices is completely counter to the individualism of Satanism. He does a lot of talking in the ritual sections about all of these rules and requirements, like the beginning and end of the ritual must be conducted with within the confines of the ritual chamber. That stuff might make sense if it was a divine order being sent down from the omniscient creator of the universe. But in this case, it's just arbitrary rules invented by a carnival worker. No offense to Anton or other carnival workers, but the point is he's just a guy. Is this not, is this, no, so all of these things I'm reading about invocation and and, and, and how to pr- proceed, these are all made up by a person. There's nothing well, anywhere. What other in, option is there? There's got to be other text. Like, oh yeah, like sure. From, there's from, there's other texts written by a person from Greeks to I sure mean, Greek uh, people. <laughs> okay, so you know it's all just, just some motherfucker so wrote it down. Some other shit that this guy. That's said. it. He wrote it himself, or he stole it from so some other. So all the women have to dress uh, provocatively, unless they're older, then they can wear a exactly. robe. Exactly. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna get to that as well. Yeah, but yeah, these are rules that all Anton right. made up for us. He has a whole fucking so he's got a whole shit in another language, right? Yes, and that's his language. No, no, that's not that's his Latin. language. It's it, no, we're gonna get there. Believe All me. Right. Yeah, we'll get All there right. toward the end. Right. Um, part of his reasoning for at least some of this stuff is to help create a separation between your ritual experience and the outside world. And I get that. There's a potential value to that for sure. It all plays into the idea of creating a temporary ignorance and getting yourself into that magical headspace. But to me, it would just be better presented as a suggestion rather than some kind of rule. I think I'm just not really into rules. So if you want to use standardized or previously used bits in your rituals, that's totally cool. But if you want to build it all from scratch and do what works best for you, please feel free to do so. Mm. Well, don't you think the language of the baby boomer is rigid? Rigidity was the norm of the day. You know what I mean? Yes. Looking at like process control. You were successful. You could make more than your dad or your mother working the same job. Well, there was and, always and of course, Anton and his writings and philosophy are they're unavoidably, they're a product of their time. For sure. And so Anton writes, you remember that section? I forget which part it was in. He talked about the rusty padlocks mm-hmm. and you know the whole gatekeeping bit. And he basically explained that, look, over time, things may need to be broken down and rebuilt sometimes. And that is, again, one of those things that I pointed out a contradiction between Anton's writings and the way so many Church of Satan people have interpreted it. Sure. They are really – they hold on tight to the gatekeeping when Anton clearly wrote – Shit can be changed up. And we already know Anton literally did just that in Mm -hmm. his construction of this Satanism. He was pulling from many other sources, so much so that he literally plagiarized portions of books. Sure. So, of course, we can 
add and subtract from previous philosophies. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. It's a big I, part of I it. I believe that heavily, and I, but I think that TST is a less militaristic version of this. I just recently, just within the last day or so, had a conversation with an anonymous person online. I think they were probably on the TST side of things. Sure. They were real into it. And I think I, I made a suggestion about the idea that TST had borrowed some things from the Church of Satan or or had things in common with bits of the Satanic Bible. And their reaction was just like, no way, that's insane. They're oh, opposites. Holy shit. I'm like, dude, you got to read this stuff. They are not opposites. I, will, I mean, they have they definitely go different ways in, in certain areas, but they have enough in common where you could never call them opposite. Oh, no, the, this last part has nothing to do with TST. Sure. Yeah, but uh, I think TST is a more, you know, a more open version of what we're reading already. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you take from some of this? It's actually quite good to take some of this there's, stuff. There's certainly worthwhile parts, for, for sure. sure, and that's what we're doing here. All right, let's go. Um, and one last bit in this section, right in the last paragraph, he writes, the intellectual decompression chamber of the satanic temple might be considered a training school for temporary ignorance, as are all religious services. Now, as we know, Doug slash Lucian Greaves was a member of the Church of Satan and was very familiar with the Satanic Bible. Is it yet another great coincidence, or did the very name of the Satanic Temple come from Anton LaVey? You guys can be the judge. Uh, any final thoughts on this section, Jerry? Thoughts in this section? I think it's. Uh, I think we're entering into a construction of how things should proceed. Right. In his world. And, and as yes. we get further into it, this is what a vision for temples, for gatherings. This is what this man wants to see. Yeah. Okay. Next up, there are five separate chapters that all go under the heading, The Ingredients Used in the Performance of Satanic Magic. Each one tells you the ingredient and then expands upon the importance of that ingredient. We'll go through these pretty quickly, I think. Feel free to stop me along the way, Jerry, if anything stands out. There's so much fun. I'll stop you after you say something because these are great. First is desire. This basically alludes to your motivation for the ritual. If you don't actually desire the end result, you shouldn't perform the ritual. That seems like a no-brainer, I guess. Right. Um, Next up is timing. In here, Anton explains to us the exact times that a ritual will be most effective based on things like when the target of your desires goes to sleep and wakes up, their menstrual cycle, and when they last had sex. As we are a podcast, uh, (laughs) there are certain times during social media you should post in order to maximize your views and hits. Right. This is the 60s version of that. That's right. This Mm -hmm. is another case of Anton having a kernel of valuable information, but he runs with it. Off into slight ridiculousness. I, 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 menstruation bad for cur- bad for invocation. I guess, but so. also bad for uh, being around bears. I've so, heard that. Yeah, <laughs> good I've heard for that. Him. The next ingredient is imagery. I'll just give you one passage from this section to give you a taste. Anton writes: If you wish to enjoy sexual pleasures with the one of your choice, you must create the situation you desire on paper, canvas, by the written word, etc in as overstated a way as possible as an integral part of the ceremony. If you have material desires, you must gaze upon images of them, surround yourself with the smells and sounds conducive to them, 
create a lodestone which will attract the situation or thing that you wish. Basically, he just says that for your ritual to be effective, you have to have some tangible images of it. Dude, I don't know why. I thought, so be it. I don't know why I thought of Betty Boop. There's some what? dude who was like, I want a bitch with a big head, big tits. Wow, Terry. <laughs> Are you going to? Dude, Betty Boop was a conjuring of a satanic mind. That's, that's I believe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was maybe more of Anton's time. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. You know. I mean, she was very, very, very uh, controversial. Did she was adorable. Yeah, she, she was adorable, but her head was massive. Her head was large. All of her features are big. Yeah. I, I'm, I doubt this will stay in. Okay. Next up <laughs> is direction. Even this late in the book, he still finds more opportunities to take aim at the white magicians mm. that he is so oddly obsessed with all the time. <laughs> um, but for the most part, this chapter is about focusing your energy toward the goal of your ritual and not wasting any of it before or after the ritual. Basically, you need to do your ritual, spend all of your energy doing it, and then leave it behind as if it never happened, or else you're wasting energy and that will make your magic ritual not work. Right. I guess that's mm. the logic there. And the last of these ingredients is what Anton calls the balance factor. There are several fun passages to look at here. But this one is pretty colorful. Dr. LeVay writes, If, in attempting to attain your goal through either greater or lesser magic, you find yourself failing consistently, think about these things. Have you been the victim of a misdirected, overblown ego which has caused you to want something or someone when the chances are virtually non-existent? Are you a talentless, tone-deaf individual who is attempting through magic to receive great acclaim for your unmusical voice? Are you a plain, glamorless witch with oversized feet, nose, and ego, combined with an advanced case of acne, who is casting love spells to catch a handsome young movie star? Are you a gross, lumpy, lewd-mouthed, snaggle-toothed loafer who is desirous of a luscious young stripper? If so, you'd better learn to use the balance factor or expect to fail consistently. Wow. Wow. He made me these people feel like shit. He's uh, basically it, saying that you need work. to set realistic expectations. Before you use your magic. Right. Which is, I think, magic is an unrealistic expectation. I would certainly have to agree with him generally on this. I mean, if you're going into a ritual and you have some, some purpose for it, here's what I want or here's where I'm failing or whatever. Here's the thing, the motivation for me to do a ritual. You better have really realistic expectations in mind for this ritual or you're going to be deeply disappointed. It's just effort. It's, dude, I've been to – rituals – okay, here's rituals to me, okay? Okay. I, I have been in the Baptist religion – the Christian religion for quite some time. Sure. Uh, we did uh, communion. Yeah. Communion all the time. Communion, 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 communion. You ate the body of Christ. The body of Christ and drank blood. Never once have I ever sampled human flesh, and nor have I drank human blood. It has. It, it, it was an empty gesture. Rituals, to me, are a social thing. And, and they, they are just when people get together, and maybe there's a, a routine and anything like that. And again, we are—here's okay, what I think. A ritual, a gathering, is a bonding agent. Well, that that is a part of it, and that's not nothing. That's not that is magic. That's true magic when you can have a bonding moment. That's true. Sure. When you can look in someone's eyes and believe something together. Yeah, that's magic. Yeah, well, 
It's just a <laughs> bunch of people doing the same thing at once and hugging at the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed the phrase snaggletooth loafer. Yeah. That was a favorite of mine. <laughs> but I, I, I what fucking acne? Like, come on, dude. Well, leave those people alone. What it, are you it, gonna it, do? They're growing up. They're trying. That is all for the ingredients of satanic magic. Load, um, load of horse shit. And this <laughs> this is the last section of the book of Belial. There are three chapters on the subject of the satanic ritual. The first is part A, notes which are be to observed before beginning ritual. This is where Anton gets really specific in telling you how you need to perform your ritual. Keep in mind now, this shit is just completely arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It's a numbered list. I'll just I'll give you a few of them. Number 1, person performing ritual stands facing the altar and symbol of Baphomet throughout ritual except when other positions are specifically indicated. Very specific. Very. Number two, if possible, altar should be against west wall. I suppose in Anton's world, magic simply doesn't work as well if an altar isn't against a wall. And number three, in rituals performed by one person, the role of priest is not required. When more than one person is involved in the ceremony, one of them must act as priest. In a private ritual, the sole performer follows the instructions for the priest. <laughs> there are a few more, but you get the idea. I hope you're all taking notes out there because if you don't do this stuff exactly as written by Anton, your magic will not work. It'll, or it could go awry and hit the Who wrong knows? thing. Yeah, some, could, some poor woman in Walgreens. You could is get also... the opposite result. <laughs> right. Who knows? <laughs> I'm at CVS. I get hit with some magic. Yeah. Next is part B, the 13 steps. Now, this is where Anton lays out 14, yes, 14 (laughs) numbered steps, laying out some very specific instructions. Again, I'll give you a few of them. Number one, dress for ritual, short and sweet. Number three, if a woman is used as the altar, she now takes her position, head pointing south, feet pointing north. Because, again, if she were aiming east and west, surely your magic wouldn't work right. Number seven, turning counterclockwise, the priest points with his sword to each cardinal point of the compass and calls forth the respective princes of hell, Satan from the south, Lucifer from the east, Belial from the north, and Leviathan from the West. The sword is amazing. The sword is very necessary. You gotta have you gotta the have sword. a sword and a bell. Go nuts. Uh, yeah, and the rest of it just candles. it's just more very specific candles. steps to take. Elixir, your ritual. candles, elixir, phallus is in this. I mean, yeah. It, it, well, it, it, oh yeah, we're gonna get to phallus. Dude, I a believe. gong. I have a gong. You do? I own a gong. No shit. Mm-hmm. Well, you're almost ready. <laughs> uh, and lastly, we have part C: devices used yeah, in satanic ritual. This is where you're instructed all about the items and props you'll need in the performance of your satanic magic. He gives a list while explaining in more detail how each one is to be used. We have clothing. He says black robes are worn by the male participants, and female participants wear garments which are sexually suggestive or all black clothing for older women. It was a different time. It was a different time, man. Uh, We've got the altar. Anton explains, a nude woman is used as the altar in satanic rituals 
because woman is the natural passive receptor and represents the earth mother. Again, what a guy wants. This is what he wants at his shit. He's yes. telling you that there needs to be a woman, nude woman. I yeah, this, is that, this is Satanism designed specifically for Anton. Yes. Specifically it, it, for listen, him. If I was to have a religion, I'd be like, yeah, there needs to so. be a nude woman yeah, here, of please, now. Why not? I don't know why. <laughs> Who's the Scientology guy? L. Ron Hubbard didn't involve any nude women. No, I guess not. not but he wanted I... money more than women, so he, he got that in spades. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Mm-hmm. Also on the list is the symbol of Baphomet, yes. candles, bell, chalice, elixir, chalice. sword. And don't worry, guys. Anton writes, for private rituals, if a sword cannot be obtained, a long knife, cane, or similar staff may be used. We've got phallus, <laughs> a stick. gong, and finally, parchment. Uh, and with that, Jerry, we've concluded the book of Belial. Belial has been spoken, and I, dude, I love this. I love it so much. We're almost at the end. I love elixirs. I love a bell. I think I, I need <laughs> I do a love a bell. Candles, though, I believe are necessary for a lot of intimate gatherings. I love, I love candles. Can- I do love candles. I think candles, I, I've taken a candle making class recently. I really? love it so much. Recently? Recently. Me and my daughter went How have you not candles. told me you took a candle making I made class? A, well, because if I went up to you, Joseph, hey, I made a cinnamon candle, you would call me a big pussy. <laughs> That's, I might. Um, all right. The final book this of the long, Satanic dude. Bible. How can this be done in one thing? This is a lot. Listen Leviathan. to me, Jerry. The final book of the Satanic Bible is Water, the book of Leviathan. Love that name. Love that word. This last section of the book is completely useless if what you're interested in is Anton LaVey's philosophy. This section carries on with the specifics of the magic rituals, but here he's telling you all of the actual magic words you need to recite for your magic to work properly. The first one is his invocation to Satan. Do you want to read this together? No. (laughs) Just to give you a taste, it begins with, In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king of the world, I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon me. Open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss to greet me as your brother and friend. Grant me the indulgences of which I speak. So yeah, he's invoking a Satan that doesn't exist and asking him for the things he desires. If you ask me, it sounds just like praying to the Lord in heaven and asking him for the things we desire. Yeah, but this is done so... It's It's way more fun. Admittedly, I like it. I do like it. I wanted to to read this so It's a lot of fun. I wanted to read this so loud with you. (laughs) Sorry, Jerry. (laughs) After that, he moves into a section listing the infernal names. This is just pages and pages listing in alphabetical order a bunch of names for the Dark Lord. He did this already. This is the book of Genesis begat, begat, begat thing. If you're into collecting names for the Dark Lord, great. Other than that, there is nothing here. Give me your favorite. I'm a traditionalist. Dracula's on here too, by the way. Give me the devil, Satan, Lucifer. That's good enough for me. You know, I like Scratch. That's a fun, obscure one. You know, I like that. Next up. He has three chapters laying out his various invocations. There are, again, the specific magic words that you are to recite during your ritual. First up is lust. Mm. Here's a sample of this one. 
My rod is a thrust. The penetrating force of my venom shall shatter the sanctity of that mind which is barren of lust. And as the seed falleth, so shall its vapors be spread within that reeling brain, benumbing it to helplessness according to my will. In the name of the great God Pan, may my secret thoughts be marshaled into the movements of the flesh of that which I desire. Shem Ham Farash. Hail Satan. You feeling this one, Jared? <laughs> everything's so great. It's great. It's it's everything should be read by Orson Welles here. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, next up are the magic words for destruction. And after that, he lays out the magic words for compassion. I'm not going to read you the whole damn They're things. They're not as fun. Um, but again, the very specific magic words that are essentially required uh, for your magic to function properly. Now, Jerry. We move on to the very last chapter of the book, and what may be the most annoying and useless portion of the book. This section is the Enochian language and the Enochian keys. He opens the chapter explaining the magical language used in satanic ritual is Enochian, a language thought to be older than Sanskrit with a sound grammatical and syntactical basis. I don't know if it was Enoch. I don't know, Jerry. Enochian. I've I've heard it every which way, and when I looked up for all of these ridiculous words, I looked up the pronunciation, mm. and I've gone with the consensus. I don't fucking know. And and if I'm being really honest, I don't give one fuck. I never want to say or see or use these words <laughs> in not, any way. Listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> knocking your research. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Like, Enoch- and if and anybody out there, if you feel the desire to Correct my pronunciation. Don't, because I don't care. And as I like this biography of John D, I knew a guy named Johnny D. Yeah. Yeah. So Common sounding name. Yeah, Johnny D. Yeah. It's a Delco thing. Now, the way this section works is he lists the keys in order. He lists a key. He gives a brief description of the purpose for each one. And then the key is written out in this Enochian language. And then written out again in English. There's 19 of these. 19 of these. So let me give you a sample of just the very first one. The description is, the first Enochian key represents an initial proclamation from Satan stating the inception of the laws of temporal theologies and of the lasting power which resides in those bold enough to recognize earthly beginnings and absolutes. And can then, I, can I read the Enochism? <laughs> no, <laughs> can I just just give me four. Just give me go four ahead, words. Jerry. Go ahead. Four. O sunof vavasaj gohu iad balata elunasha kalazad sabazad el roray roray Middleton. He goes on with that quite a bit, and then it is presented in English. Here's a bit of the first key: I reign over thee, saith the Lord of the earth, in power exalted above and below in whose hands the sun is a glittering sword and the moon a through-thrusting fire, who measureth your garments in the midst of my vestures and trusteth you up as the palms of my hands and brighten your vestments with infernal light. Nonsense. It goes on after that. Now, as we said, there are 19 of these fucking things. Mm -hmm. 19. A description, a version in the bullshit language, and a version in English. But didn't this guy say... In the beginning, yeah, that this was all sort of bullshit in the beginning. Like well, he wasn't saying like there's a real you know, physical Satan, and now we're bets. now we're invoking one. Hey, what are you gonna do? All right. Some of you 
may get a kick out of these. I do not. I was angry that I had to read all nine of these. I find it a drag to read. Yeah. And I see little to no practical application of this stuff, at least for me and my Satanism. I can promise that none of the materials related to outsider Satanism will ever be presented in Enochian. Okay? <laughs> and with that, Jerry, we reach the end of the Satanic Bible. That's it? Do you have any thoughts regarding these final sections of the book here? Fantasy. They're fun. It's good fun. I, I think this is the most... Well, it's 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 the one that vilified them the most, I believe. Because in the beginning, we had rational thought uh, that this person, that this isn't a real thing, it's a lifestyle. And then now we go full bore into trying to get Satan involved. We have white magic. <laughs> we have black magic. We're using well, different... no, he doesn't like the white magic. Oh, sorry. Remember, so, but yeah, we're yeah. speaking in tongues now. Right, you right. know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just so much fun. But it gives the, everyone, and this is why I think it might have been written, and I think it was written on purpose, if this man was a carnival barker, is that you needed to have a villain. And this vilified this book. These last 19 keys were nonsense. They're tough. They're tough com- to get through. Completely were counter were counteractive to it's a what lot was of page written. filler. It's a lot of page filler. The book is significantly shorter if you just get rid of those keys. Get rid of it. Also, a lot more palatable if you were to not have 19 fucking pages of bullshit. <laughs> Times two. Yeah, dude. Yeah, 38. Like, I'm never going to yeah. use any of these words. Give me more. Madaraza Torazad. Like fuck off! Yeah. I mean, this was this was built only to be. A, I think it's only to go to me, towards media. This man is an advertising man. He's a man who enjoys controversy. He needed to be out there. This is what that did because everything else could be taken one way or the other. This cannot. Yeah, I need every woman to be dressed seductively, and if you're ugly, then wear a black robe. That's and right. hey, listen. Well, if, older. He didn't say ugly. He all right. Well, older. neither here nor Come there. On, Jerry. Well, he also brought up a bunch of people with acne, That's so true. we That's all have true. problems with that. Um, I'm I'm sorry. I got real animated at this because I did have to read this today again to refresh it. Sure. And my anger was palpable. I'm sorry. Dude, it sucked. I suppose it makes sense (laughs) to look back on it all and come to some sort of conclusion. Mm. We could surely make a full episode of just that, but I think uh, you, the audience, has been patient as we've spent quite some time digging through this book. What I'll do is go over a list of a few things here that the Satanic Bible has in common with outsider Satanism. How's that sound, Jerry? Uh, you up for this? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. All right, let's do it. Anton wrote, The truth alone has never set anyone free. It is only doubt which will bring mental emancipation. My interpretation of that is basically the question everything mentality, a healthy skepticism, or as the Satanic Temple puts it, Satanists should actively work to hone critical thinking and exercise reasonable agnosticism in all things. This healthy skepticism is a part of outsider Satanism, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, Anton suggests, why not have a religion based on indulgence? Certainly it is consistent with the nature of the beast. Additionally, he wrote, Satanism encourages its followers to indulge in their natural desires, Only by doing so can you be a completely satisfied person with no frustrations which can be harmful to yourself or others around you. Therefore, the most simplified description of the satanic belief is indulgence instead of abstinence. And as I said before, indulgence plays a central role in outsider Satanism. Specifically, it is indulgence without compulsion. 
And then we have Satanic Holidays. You like these, I think, right? They're my favorite. Um, what I carry with me from that section is that your birthday is perhaps the most important holiday. However you choose to celebrate it or not is up to you, of course. But if you're living life the way you should be, being born is a pretty significant milestone. I'm going to use Enoch to summon a friendly Sunday at my birthday. You should. You should. We also have April 30th. Some will call it Valpurgisnacht. And it will be on the outsider Satanism calendar specifically because it is the birthday of modern Satanism. And that is worth acknowledging. Sure. And then we have Halloween. You can go back and listen to the reasons we like to celebrate Halloween, but indulgence is primary amongst them. You shouldn't have that. We like it. No. You don't why get not? that. That's for everybody. That's not that's not for you. Look, everybody can celebrate. I'm just telling you why we celebrate. Yeah, you celebrate it, but you know, it's not it's nothing to do with whatever you're doing. All right, fuck that's you. Jerry. Just doing it <laughs> All right. Then back in the book of Satan, chapter four, Anton tells us Life is the great indulgence, death the great abstinence. Therefore, make the most of life here and now. And then in verse 2, he says, There is no heaven of glory bright and no hell where sinners roast. Here and now is our day of torment. Here and now is our day of joy. Here and now is our opportunity. Choose ye this day, this hour, for no Redeemer liveth. And of course, this is all about living your best life, which we should all try to do. Outsider Satanism comes with this seize the day attitude, because as you may know, Jerry, we're all going to fucking die. Yep. Am I right? Nothing can stop that. Carpe diem. Right. Next, let's touch on some of Anton's satanic statements. Number two is Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Again, vital means energetic or lively, living with some purpose and pep in your step. And pipe dreams are unrealistic, unattainable plans. Outsider Satanism is a philosophy for those who are grounded in reality. We don't do spiritual pipe dreams. We're not going to heaven, no matter how well-behaved we are here on earth. We're also not summoning the dead or praying to forest fairies or anything like that. Statement number four says, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. As we've said before, this is the same thing as the Satanic Temple's first tenet, which focuses on compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. They say the same things with different attitudes. A significant part of outsider Satanism is balance. So in this case, Yes, we could offer kindness and compassion. It is not unlimited and assumed. In accordance with reason is the same thing as to those who deserve it. We use our judgment and find a healthy balance. And there you have it, Jerry. Before we wrap up our whole adventure through the Satanic Bible, do you have any final thoughts on all of this for the good people out I there? Think I, I wonder and fantasy. Some of his... Some of LeVay's best thoughts have always been, when he brings up a child, it's always about wonder and creative, creative yeah. creativity and the fearlessness that moves forward. And that's I like why, those parts when he talks about the childlike. The childlike curiosity. Yeah. And I know I bring up stepbrothers, never lose your dinosaur, <laughs> yes. you know, that type of thing. And 
and when he when and when he spoke and wrote about children and, and their and their wonder, that's when it was pure. And and it and it it's not lost. And on I me do that, I do really like that. And stuff. I do I, I it's not lost on me. He was working in a carnival. He saw smiles. He mm-hmm. saw like you know what it looked like to be amazed. And the three things were sex, wonder, and and the other thing for the magic and all that stuff. But wonder is where all of this resides. And really, that's a pure aspect of this. And I enjoy it. Yes, the the, the incantations and shit like that. <laughs> that's that lends itself to the imagination and fantasy of it all. Yeah. And, and is everyone going to do that? He wrote. I I'm thinking this man was rational enough to know that not everyone's going to do that. Yeah, it was an that. interesting mix that Anton has because he was so into that stuff, the childlike wonder and losing yourself in the in the ritual, in the moment, you the know, ritual, finding yeah. the magic, so, you know, and that's valuable. But then at the same time, he's so rigid and specific right. about how to get there. It's right. wild. Right. It was, and, and but like, use but, your imagination, but you have to say it while f- facing South, <laughs> facing South and West and make sure there's a woman on a plate. No, I, I, I believe, <laughs> I, I, I think when I read the, 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 the parts of, of, of children's astonishment at life, yeah. that's when I felt like I, I sort of was reading into a man. Yeah. Um, Everything else was fun, and there's a lot of rational and, and scientific stuff, and then there's other things. But like that was when it was like he's a real ter- he's a real person, yeah. and and that that's something that is lost in a lot of our biblical text. That you know, there's not always a real person. Like I took my son up, like uh, I forget the, the the parable of the guy who took his son up, and then he was gonna kill him for God, and God was testing him. I forget the name, but uh, that type of shit. There's no humanity in it. But when he when he yeah. spoke of just. Just it's beautiful to not be good at like the one part where it's like a child will draw and create something even if they're not good at it just to do it. Sure, and that's what it is, man. And that's and that's all we're really doing anyway. Yeah. We're trying to be good at something, but like do it anyway if you're not. And that's what I took from it. <laughs> right on. Well, let me thank you, Jerry, for taking the time and effort to do these episodes with me. I appreciate it as usual. You're welcome. I found that our audience enjoys you. I've gotten a lot of great feedback of we love Jerry, hail Jerry all the time. I get lots of messages. Um, Love Jerry, more Jerry, hail Jerry. So, yeah, it's good to have you. I appreciate that. And I think in a – I'm a pro wrestling fan. Uh, Yes, as you mentioned. My parlance is in that. I believe I am an attraction. (laughs) Yes. Like Andre the Giant. You can't see him every week, but when you see him, it means something. That's right. And that's what Uncle Jerry is. To all of you heathens, you hell-bound, lovable people. (laughs) Guys – if you have but a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. I hope you stay safe out there, and Hail Satan.